This is the Fenway Rundown, the premier podcast for all things Boston Red Sox. You know, people harp on the last place thing, but essentially what's important is the record. If the Red Sox want people to start thinking the ownership cares, then maybe they should talk. This is the Fenway Rundown, brought to you by Mass Live. Here are your hosts, Chris Cotillo and Sean McAdam. The late Tuesday night edition of Mass Live's Fenway Rundown podcast. I'm Chris Cotillo in our Massachusetts studios, joined by a faraway version of Sean McAdam, who, along with Chris Smith, is covering the general manager's meetings out in Scottsdale, Arizona. We have plenty of coverage on that on the site and now on the pod as we ramp up the offseason. But, Sean, first, a very important day on not just the baseball calendar, but everybody's calendar, your birthday. I will say, as you did with me about a month ago, um, happy birthday to you. And I will note the Bruins Centennial is getting a lot more run than yours. Well, that's true. I, I, I am falling a few years short of 100, but not as many as I would like to. But I appreciate the good wishes anyway. Yeah, I don't know how good the wishes were, but a happy birthday to you. You spent being sarcastic it... about them being good. Go ahead. Okay. You, uh, you spent the day in scottsdale at the omni uh where craig breslow addressed the media for the second time as red sox chief baseball officer in a little bit more of an informal setting and where you could kind of get into the nitty-gritty of how he's going to approach the offseason i think the gm meetings are the unofficial beginning of the offseason for baseball fans for executives uh red sox have a, a ton of executives down there starting to meet with agents and other teams but breslow today in his first meeting, I think it went about 20 minutes from reading what you and Chris have had. Just for all of us who were not there, your takeaways from what the chief baseball officer of the Red Sox had to say today. Yeah, well, most of it, Chris, was just um, kind of taking the temperature of Craig Breslow uh, a week and a half into his uh, hiring and being the chief baseball officer of the Red Sox. There's a lot that he has to catch up on. I think that would be true of anybody if it were an internal promotion, but particularly for someone who hasn't been at this level before. We know that Breslow, of course, has been an assistant GM with the Cubs and that he was in charge of their pitching development program, but he has not operated much at this level where you're talking to agents, you're talking to other general managers and number one executives with other franchises about trades, so uh, this is a um, hurry up and get to know everybody kind of experience for Breslow, not only his uh, colleagues with other teams, but still getting to know some of the people with the Red Sox that he didn't have any familiarity with before being hired. And he's leaning on a lot of those people, as he calls it, the senior management team, people like Brian O'Halloran. Uh, Eddie Romero, Mike Gritman, Raquel Ferreira. And they're, uh, they're all there, right? The, I know I did see both Eddie and Brian here. I'm going to assume that Raquel and Mike are here as well. Um, there are a number of other baseball ops employees who are on hand. So he's kind of getting brought up to speed on what the Red Sox have, what they need, and sorting through all those options, which are significant. And as you know, and I think most fans have come to understand, 
the GM meetings are are seldom headline makers. You don't get a trade. You almost never get a free agent signing. Uh, but there is a lot of foundation that is laid here that comes to fruition often later in the offseason or even at the winter meetings, which will take place in Nashville in about a month. So this is just a lot about Breslow getting brought up to speed on what needs to be done, getting to know people in his own organization and making contact with agents and other like-minded executives from other teams. What did he say about the roster today? Well, um, I asked him specifically about second base, which I think is probably one of the more undefined positions, at least for 2024. You know, looking down the road, it might be Nick York manning that position. It could be Trevor Story moving back to second base to make room for Marcelo Meyer. So th there's a lot of things that could happen after this year, but for the near future, they need to have somebody play second base and play it a lot better than they got out of a number of guys last year. And he referenced without naming them, the four guys we have. And we took that to mean Pablo Reyes, uh, Luis Urias, uh, David Hamilton, and, and Manuel Valdez, all of whom could be in the running. But he also said that they're, of course, open to uh, looking outside the organization, either in trade or free agency, to see if they could uh, upgrade the position. And one name that, of course, comes to mind is Whit Merrifield. I think it's a guy that makes a lot of sense for the Red Sox. He's 34. He's not going to be looking for a long-term commitment, maybe a year in an option or a two-year deal could get him. Not only can he play second base, but he can play in the outfield. He's got some speed. Um, that would make a lot of sense for them to at least examine him. But he talked about the four in-house candidates uh, that they're kind of sifting through now. And pitching, I think, is the main priority. We talked about that. We talked about it a billion times. We continue or we'll continue to, um, obviously the rotation being their main priority, a report today, they met with Jordan Montgomery, uh, who obviously, you know, was with the Yankees, the Cardinals and had a great run with the Rangers in the postseason, And I think has earned himself probably a pretty big deal. I'll caution even not being there as someone who knows how these things work. Every team meets with every team, every team meets with every agent at the general manager's meeting. So a report that they did meet and sit down with his people at Boris corporation today, uh, I'm assuming they're just going to do that with everybody. And that's just one of those things that leaks and surfaces that uh, to me is not a huge deal, but something nonetheless. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe you read into something that it was right away on the first full day here that they were reaching out to an agent for a pretty big name free agent pitcher. Uh, Montgomery makes a lot of sense here as a kind of maybe a, either a pretty good number two or a really good number three, I think is how he fits into a rotation. I think a lot of people expect him to maybe get something like a five-year, $100, $110 million deal. You're looking at an AAV of about 20 or so. Um, the, one of the nice things for the Red Sox and other teams, frankly, is that he does not come with any uh, compensation attached. He was traded during the year, as you mentioned, from St. Louis to Texas, which makes him ineligible for a qualifying offer. So you don't have to give a, a draft pick up to sign him. I did ask Breslow how important that was in his calculations as he tries to put together an improved rotation. He said it's one determining factor. I think most executives look at it this way. You would prefer not to give up a draft pick to sign a free agent. But if you think everything else uh, points to that player being the right kind of fit for your team, 
under most circumstances, you would make that sacrifice and give up the pick. He said it's just one variable that they consider, but obviously in a year where they need multiple guys to be added to that rotation, uh, the fact that you could sign a pretty good one without giving up a pick has to have at least some allure to the Red Sox. And this year, I think, you know, fewer guys actually got the qualifying offer than others. It speaks to, I think, a little bit of a weaker free agent class, plus some other guys being eliminated based on, you know, being traded during the year or guys who were tagged with it before. The seven that got it, Shohei Otani, um, obviously headlining the class. Cody Bellinger and Matt Chapman, the two best position players probably on the market who do not fit the Red Sox, uh, I don't think, uh, unless they want to stack Matt Chapman on Rafael Devers at third base and put him on his shoulders. That's not going to fit. The ones that do, you know, fit the Red Sox, the three starting pitchers, Blake Snell, Aaron Nola, and Sonny Gray, and, and then Josh Hader, a lefty reliever. Who I, I wouldn't guess the Red Sox are going to play on, but could could be wrong there, but I would guess not. So really, the three starters there in Snell, Nola, and Gray, guys that fit the Red Sox, you have those and I, the I, I think you could probably cut Gray from that list at 34, unless he's willing to take a pretty short-term deal he doesn't fit the profile of a guy that's going to fill out that rotation. He's a nice complimentary guy, but his career has been sort of up and down and all over the place. Um, his struggles in New York might give you pause as to how well he would pitch in a market like Boston. So I think Snell and Nola are the two you pay most attention to. Yeah, I mean, I haven't really thought about this much, but Greg might even take that, right? The $20 million for next year. I guess that's slightly possible. Good. Um, so those are the guys in that boat, obviously, Yamamoto, Montgomery, some of these other people we've talked about, probably more intriguing to the Red Sox because, you know, as they look to a Bloom adage, but one they're always looking to do builds both for the long term and the short term, you want to pr preserve um, those picks. I know he, Craig Breslow today also had some interesting stuff on the designated hitter position. Since we last talked on this show, Justin Turner opted out the least surprising thing ever because He's going to make more than $6.7 million on the open market. We've covered that extensively. Um, I think you and I are both kind of under the impression that it's more likely than not that Turner goes elsewhere. But uh, did Breslow's comments today make you feel that that's even more likely of a scenario? Well, I, I did ask him about the trend in the game the last five or so years where teams are getting away from that old DH model of having the veteran guy. You know, and David Ortiz serves as the you know perhaps the best dh of all time a guy who filled that role when breslow was a pitcher here on two different occasions um i asked him if he thought having a uh, a sort of a, a one guy that is going to handle the dh role versus rotating other guys through we've talked about the need to perhaps give some uh some rest and to get both devers and yoshida off the field because of their defensive shortcomings, maybe even Tristan Casas, although I think he has room to improve there and probably uh, can be better defensively. I think with Devers and Yoshida, it's sort of what you see is what you get. And Breslow, as most guys do in these circumstances, wouldn't commit one way or the other, but he did say that maybe the optimum would be to have guys who can rotate through. So um, it, it, they could still end up with somebody in that DH spot, whether it's bringing Turner back, whether it's bringing J.D. Martinez back. That can't be ruled out entirely. A guy like Jorge Soler um, is another free agent who did not get a qualifying offer, a right-handed power hitter who could maybe fit well in Fenway. So there's a number of ways to go. And 
Breslow was not about to paint himself into a corner, but he did acknowledge that uh, maybe the, the best case scenario would be to have a bunch of different guys fill in there. And Duvall, I think, too, you know, that increases yep. the chances of him coming back where he's a compliment to, you know, mostly Yoshida and they can share at bats and DH as well as left field and or whatever. Some first base play out of um, out of Duvall again. He has played there in the past. It's been a while, but it would seem that they would need a right-handed bat to, you know, play 20 or 30 games at first base. Uh, they had Turner as that backup uh, option. Sean, 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 Sean. Bobby Dahlbeck is still on the 40-man roster. Well, as I said, they could still use a right-handed <laughs> first baseman that, that factors in there. Uh, so the fact that Duval has played there in the past uh, makes that one more uh, variable that could lead him to come back. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys who are still out there. There's a lot of guys who are in the mix. Um, and free agency hasn't moved at all. The trade market, uh, minus the big Mark Canna trade, to Detroit has not moved at all at this early stage. Uh, talk about you know what's next for the Red Sox these next three days in Scottsdale, and then some deadlines next week that we'll get to non-tender deadline, Rule Five deadline. We'll have plenty of time to talk about those. I think the most pressing thing for the Red Sox right now, and I think Craig Breslow alluded to this, and where we'll wrap up here today is the search for coaching um, hires. Pitching coach probably the most important position on a staff is open. Third base coach is open because they fired Carlos Fables. News broke today. He's headed to the Toronto Blue Jays as their third base coach. Pitching coach uh, reported it today. We've heard it right along. Andrew Bailey is a strong candidate for that job. He seems like the overwhelming favorite. Played with Breslow. Played in the organization from Connecticut. Has really impressed as the Giants pitching coach uh, in the last few years and has expressed a willingness to be closer to home in Connecticut. I think they're neighbors. They work together, Breslow and Bailey, former teammates, neighbors, throwing partners, work together in a foundation, um, and obviously two bright baseball people. I don't know if it's a slam dunk yet. It seems more likely than not, but uh, yeah. what did Breslow say about that today? Uh, he did not, of course, address anybody specifically when it was asked by Alex Spear of the Boston Globe whether the list of candidates might have might include somebody from Connecticut who lived near him and has some ties. Uh, you know, Breslow smiled and said to be determined. He wasn't about to show his hand um, that nakedly, but certainly Bailey is a guy that I think most people expect is going to be the person who ends up in that job. It's a little less defined what's going to happen at third base. It's possible that Andy Fox uh, could end up moving there and they could get another major league staffer coach or they could promote from within, or they could hire somebody from outside. But Breslow definitely gave the impression that getting the pitching coach situation filled is of the utmost urgency because he was talking about getting guys on throwing programs and reaching out to pitchers and planning. Obviously, pitchers need that longer ramp up and more preparation. And the more input you can get in communication with a pitching coach, uh, in November or early December, the better off you are. So I would expect that's the priority, and I would expect Bailey probably gets, you know, hired in the next couple of weeks here, and then they'll move on to the third base position. Yeah, and with Bailey, I mean, I guess there's a chance it could be a front office role too, uh, but uh, considering his experience in San Francisco, it seems more likely than not he will be the pitching coach. That is the wrap-up from day one of the GM meetings where Sean McAdam and Chris Smith both are. Sean, you want to plug uh, the 
insider text program and a way for people to get in touch with you, Chris and myself, while you guys are out there. Yeah, we have started that uh, last week. Um, it, it is uh, an opportunity to text uh, myself, Chris Smith, Chris Cotillo, keep up to date, get the latest information. Um, and it's $4.99 a month after a 14-day free trial. Already, we've had a lot of people sign up. People are texting us about stuff that's going on here, what we're hearing. You have the opportunity to communicate directly with us. Um, you can see any of our stories online and click on uh, the information and then just fill everything out and subscribe. It's a lot of fun and people seem to uh, really like it. And uh, we think that if you try it, you're going to sign up and subscribe. Yeah, and it's easy to do so. Text the word JOIN, J-O-I-N, to 617-751-6257. Click the link and subscribe today. That is the Fenway Rundown for Tuesday. Back with probably a couple more episodes this week as Sean and Chris continue their work in Scottsdale, and I man the floor here in Massachusetts. This has been the Fenway Rundown, brought to you by Mass Live.